I will tell you what happened. Though painful, I will show you the truth. I pray you will listen. I pray you will open up some small part of you, a sliver of that good heart, a glimmer of your eye, something in your gut that is telling you this is the way, this is the path through the drifting and piling in your life. There must be some part of you that believes in miracles, that death, though it feels like it, is not the end, that what has been sealed in a tomb might rise once again. I used to dream of love as if it were a memory. I used to touch the mirror and wipe away steam to see my reflection clouded and blurry. I longed for a clear vista of life. That is what I was given. What I saw in myself was an arid desert wasteland. There is no barren place on earth that love cannot grow a garden. Not even your heart. Stanza 1. The Shortcut When do we tell the children? He said it without feeling, without emotion, without giving weight to the words. He said it as though he was asking the latest stock price for Microsoft or Google. These were his first words after nearly twenty minutes in the car together, on our anniversary. After Christmas, I said, matching his evenness, his coldness, not tonight or tomorrow. Don't you think they'd know by now, at least that something's up? Not David, he's too young. Justin asks questions and just looks at me with those doe eyes, but he keeps it in. Becca is the one I worry about. Kids are resilient. If they don't know, they'll understand. It's for the best, for all of us. I hope he's right. Now they'll have two Christmases, he said. The windshield wipers beat their own rhythm as wet snow fell like rain. The landscape had retreated under the white covering, adding to a previous snowfall that hadn't fully melted. The roadway, where you could see it, shone black with treachery from the moisture and falling temperatures. Cars inched along ahead of us on an incline as Jacob drove faster, crowding the car in front of us, looking for a chance to pass. Are you sure he'll be at his office? I said, looking out the window, bracing for impact. In this weather? On Christmas Eve? He's still there. I called before we left. The papers are ready. Does he have a family? I said. What? He said it with a healthy dose of condescension and added a look I couldn't stand, the look I could live the rest of my life without seeing. Does he have a family, a wife? Kids? I have no idea. More condescension. I didn't know that was a prerequisite for you. It's not. I was just wondering. Working on Christmas Eve? No wonder he's a divorce lawyer. So much for congenial discussion. The silence was getting to him now, and he flipped on a talk station. I was surprised he hadn't done that earlier. The clock showed 3.18, and a delayed Rush Limbaugh was going into a break, a commercial about an adjustable bed, local traffic in the forecast, snarled intersections and cold weather reporting, expect an even whiter Christmas, several inches whiter, maybe more.
a cold front moving in and more precipitation at higher elevations. Can we listen to something else? I said. He suppressed a huff and pressed the FM button. This was his car, so nothing on the FM dial was preset. He hit scan. He frowned. Punch it when you hear something you like. I passed on Gene Autry and Rudolph. The song brought an ache for the children, especially David, who still believed in Santa and reindeer. At the next station, Jose Feliciano was down to his last Feliz Navidad. On the left side of the dial, the local Christian station played yet another version of Silent Night. I couldn't stay there because of the guilt of what we were doing. Paul McCartney said the mood was right and the spirit was up, and he was simply having a wonderful Christmas time. I wished I could say the same. The band Journey sang Don't Stop Believin', but I had stopped long ago, at least concerning our marriage.